this is fundraising review and today's a guest speaker we have chuck pettit the ceo at republic one of the largest equity crowdfunding platforms and in this episode we'll mostly talk about equity crowdfunding how is it different from crowdfunding platforms like kickstarter and indiegogo who should consider equity crowdfunding and how is equity crowdfunding better than regular uh fundraising from angel investors and vcs so chuck let's kick off by you giving us some background on yourself and on republic uh sure thanks for having me on um i've been in new york now for about 21 years i did you know kind of the classic wall street stuff i uh, got into hedge funds i went to grad school uh, got into business for myself started to do some angel investing around that time too and 2005, and then um, the business that I was in for myself was real estate related, so I, I kind of had stepped away from mainstream investing. I was doing the um, some angel investing, not much, but some, and that was you know kind of always pulling at my my collar. I wanted to get back into more investing. I like venture capital. I liked startup investing, etc., and I like startups. So. Fast forward, I'm in like 2015 or so now, and I started up a, a micro VC fund, just a friends and family, similar to what you know, you know, startup founders do today. You raise some dollars, maybe you boot. It really just, you know, I went from investing my own money to investing other people's money, and that kind of just differentiates you. It gets you into mm -hmm. different programs. You're a judge, you're a mentor, you're a guest speaker, uh, so on and so forth. and I ran into uh, some people at AngelList, uh, specifically Ken Nguyen, who was general counsel of AngelList at the time, and he and a couple other people were formulating uh, plans to launch Republic. So that was in early 2016. Um, I ended up being a small investor uh, in the company, and what I'd done previously for investments was write a check and actually fill a void with the company for a period of you know, a few months to several months. Um, sometimes even longer, and did the same thing with Republic. Uh, you know, it was just five of us uh, in May, the summer of 2016, and I, you know, came in to help build out the deal team. And at that time, we had, you know, four live campaigns, 25,000 registered users, $75,000 average raise, and fast forward today, we have. 50 live campaigns, uh, over 700,000 registered users. We have uh, average raise, you know, closed campaign over the last 12 months of around 500,000 per deal. Um, we've also grown to, you know, north of 65 people on the team. And we've also added a lot of different, um, you know, platforms within our platform. So we came out of the gates on like I said, in May of 2016, officially launched a couple months later when our first deals are live. But May of 2016 is also when regulation crowdfunding, which is part of the 2012 Jobs Act, that law went effective uh, that month. And so that's the license that we have and got at that time. It allows us to raise and companies that we work with to raise capital from you know basically anyone, anywhere, regardless of their wealth. So you don't have to only get you know investments from accredited investors people can do they can be non-accredited they can do 20 bucks they can do 2000 bucks they can do 20,000 they can do you know all kinds of different numbers but it it 
allows people who normally wouldn't be able to invest in private companies, uh, you know, the 90 plus, you know, some percent in the country who can't, and even greater than that around the world because of um, wealth requirements that securities, you know, regulators have put on individuals investing in private companies. We're gone with this, so we ended up, um, you know, using that license to launch our business. And then real quick, I'll say since then, we, you know, we've also, you know, we developed other expertises and other models. We have a, you know, a consulting practice in the blockchain space that's really uh, successful. We do have an accredited investor platform uh, really for, you know, say Series D, as in David, and later companies. Um, we were getting a lot of inflow and a lot of inbound from household name companies um, that wanted to utilize the crowd. They liked Republic, our people, the story. They knew founders who had used it. But they were off raising $200, $300 million, and it just wasn't feasible. Their board wouldn't allow it. It wasn't, you know, time well spent at that stage mm -hmm. of a company's life cycle. So, but they did want to work with us. We also had family offices and some venture capital funds and institutional funds who couldn't get access to these things that we were getting. So we just married the two there, and that's been really successful too. Uh, the last couple of things I'll say is, you know, we've added, you know, other domain experts to our our suite too. So we recently acquired a, a video game investing platform named Fig. Um, today, actually, uh, we're speaking sometime in the next probably hour or so, we'll announce an acquisition of a real estate investment platform. Um, we have on on the horizon, you know, a healthcare platform. We'll probably build out main a main street platform. Um, what we're really doing is creating a place for investors to come and have an opportunity to invest in things that they um, want exposure to, that they're familiar with, that you know, allows them to diversify their portfolio, not just their private portfolio, but their entire both private and public investment portfolio. And they're coming with you know, domain experts. Uh, we're not domain experts in video game financing. I've you know, come up the curve a lot over the last six or nine months, but having that team that created in the first place five years ago is a super big value add for our clients. Uh, same thing with the real estate one that's going to be announced today. And we'll continue going at that strategy until we have many more uh, verticals and domain experts for people to invest in. And not just equity too, I'd say. It could be fixed income, revenue share. Uh, it could be crypto. It could be you know anything you want or anything that the founder needs that's you know viable for their capital raise needs, and then investors have a chance to diversify in a lot of different ways. Right, right, and that's that's really impressive, and by the way, congrats on the acquisition, that's really great, and first things first, I want to discuss uh, who should consider even equity crowdfunding platforms, so uh, there are multiple sources of funding, and most of my listeners are actually early stage startup founders, so they're in their, I would say, pre-seed slash seed stages. And what's your advice to those people? Should they even consider uh, equity crowdfunding platforms or should they just move on to standard angel investing? Yeah, so I mean, what I've always felt and what I've been pounding the pavement on for four plus years is, as well as you know, other people on our, on our team, is this, and it's really becoming a tool in everyone's toolkit. It, it needs to be considered whether you're, you know, pre-seed or if you're, you know, later stage series D, we've had, Companies who are in the you know in the Series B and C realm, and I think that will continue to spread 
to the later stage companies because there's, a, you know, there's many reasons for it. You could do it because you want it for capital. You could do it because you want it for marketing. You could do it because you want it for you know, a chance to further evangelize your customer base. Now, that would probably be for the more of the later stage companies. Um, so it needs to be something considered by all founders, no matter what life cycle they're in. I think mm-hmm. this new crop of, of startups over the, you know, that have come up over the last couple of years and certainly the ones in the future, it's going to be, it's going to be, you know, a reliable tool in their toolkit. Um, if you remember, say 10 years ago, accelerators, incubators, these startup programs, they didn't really exist and they weren't like a, a thing. Today, it's one of the top things that, that you know, start, early stage startups think about is like, you know, should I go to an accelerator? Mm-hmm. Uh, should I go to a program? Uh, that will be the sim- you know, that'll be the same story with, you know, crowdfunding, crowd in, you know, investing um, in the near future. So I would say it's really no time not to think about it. Um, yeah, and it's a, definitely a, a great part of your life cycle too. Right, um, right. Republic itself, I think you'll probably want to know too, like, you know, what's a great fit for Republic crowdfunding, um, mm-hmm. the portal that I'm the, you know, I oversee. The, um, we, we definitely, you know, we work with early stage pre-revenue startups on that one. We work with seed stage or even, uh, you know, series A. They sometimes have revenue, they sometimes don't have revenue. Um, it's really about it, 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 it's viability, it's the investment viability. So like, yes, we do have a, you know, a due diligence team. We have a, a, a diligence lens that isn't too dissimilar to venture capital. Um, we have the luxury of basically more time for our diligence where we can move, you know, we'll focus on the fundamentals focus on character, we'll make sure that, you know, this is actually a partner that we want to be partnered with, and then go through the basic diligence practices like anyone else, you know, should or does for their investments. And then when they're onboarding, yeah, it's where it's regulatory, you know, submissions and it's financial reviews and it's um, creating a deal page where information is presented to the public that we have to double check and prove its accuracy. So that's really diligence too. So that's the extra time that I'm talking about, but um, really what a lot of it boils down to is investment viability and have you meant, you know, the basic fundamental, like is runway present. Um, a basic fundamental wouldn't be, you have to have revenue or you have to have five or 10,000 MRR or something like that, that grows by 10%. We have ever put lines in the sand like that. Now we're seeing companies who are just naturally there as more and more people come to crowdfunding as a reliable source. The competition between, you know, who's going to get listed has increased. Um, it's really increased over the last, you know, four months since uh, COVID started. Right. Yeah. I can imagine that. And you mentioned that, uh, you know, you are the one, I mean, the Republic itself is deciding if they want to be a partner of that uh, applicant who wants the platform. What do you mean by being a partner? Isn't it like you would just invest money and then you leave the company? Do you act as a VC firm afterwards? So do you actually provide some connections? Do you give them some expertise? How does this work? Sure. So when I mean what I mean by partner is there is a there's a process. It's a complicated process that we've you know made easier that we productize that we have team members who 
walk the founders you know through uh, those those processes you know they, they do it with them um, so we want someone that we you know enjoy working with it's a long you know, it's a long process it's yeah we can get done with you know the, the, the first stage of diligence in you know 10 days and then the onboarding can take 30 to 45 days and there's a lot of coordination to it there's a lot of people that you'll have to talk to and there's a lot of people that we have to be in touch with and you know we have to get to understand your business to the fullest because if you're not always putting your best foot forward which would eventually be either in the regulatory filing or the deal page then you're going to have a difficult campaign uh, the crowd is wise there's a lot of them they are eventually going to pick up on the mistakes whether that's not disclosing something and not properly detailing something or being like you know uh, a little over the top on what has actually happened so we, we're figuring those things out before it even gets to the crowd. We're making sure that, you know, like I said, your best foot is being put forward. And to get that stuff done, we need to have someone that we're, you know, that, that we like to work with, that they like to work with us. There needs to be some good rapport. That's uh, not, um, not a situation where we just hand you the keys to the castle and say, like, we'll see you at the end of the day. We're right there with you. And that's part of, you know, the differentiators. One of the differentiators with Republic is that we actually, you know, we work with you. Um, and in that case, we want to work with people that we're, you know, we get along with. So, you know, on, on introductions and stuff. So it, it's a long-term relationship too. Another reason why you want to have like a good partner. But for introductions, yeah, we do have a program. Uh, we have a venture, um, a venture partner program, and there are 56 um, venture capitalists. Uh, they are, pro you know, portfolio managers senior analysts, directors, managing directors, you know, across the whole gamut at 56 different venture capital funds. And a lot of times they like to see, they like to hear from us after the company's campaign is over. How did, you know, XYZ perform? Not just like topically, like not just how many people invested, how much, how many dollars were invested, but were these people like capable of executing? Did they, uh, you know, did they stick to their goals? Were they, um, how strong did their operations look? Stuff like that goes a really, because we get a great look at that during a campaign. So those 56 venture capitalists want to hear about it. And they um, they actively talk to and have started, we just started that about two months ago. And they've actively started to invest already. So yeah, there's a, a lot of uh, power to our network. Uh, you know, obviously the crowd, the venture capital network, we have a ton of partners who are looking to invest, work with, give access to, kind of you name it, with our uh, portfolio or our alumni. Mm -hmm. Right. So one of the concerns that I get from uh, my listeners in terms of going on a, a crowdfunding platform, not necessarily equally crowdfunding platform, is that you know there has to be some budget to promote your own. Uh, crowdfunding. So if you're going on Kickstarter, basically you'll get some views on Kickstarter, but first you have to pay by yourself uh, to get some some traction on your uh, on your uh, campaign. Does it same be on Republic or is it that you get on Republic and basically the rest of the work is done by Republic itself? I mean, I wish it was like turning on a light switch and the money uh, came falling from the, from the sky, but a couple of different things on that. So our companies, the companies that we work with spend on average about $5,000 to get to a live campaign. That's regulatory related, legal related, accounting related. 
These are things that you just have to have in place in order to have a compliant campaign. Um, after that, you're not required to spend money on marketing. The only line in the sand that we have is that each company needs to raise, you know, their their minimum goal. So if they can set the, they set their minimum goal at twenty five thousand, then they have to raise twenty five thousand. Most of between twenty five and fifty. So you set that minimum goal. You hit that minimum goal by talking to your network, talking to your friends and family, your business colleagues, anyone that would invest, people who you've been talking to for years about angel investing who never pulled the trigger. If you can create that initial momentum, then you go into our full marketing campaign where you'll get, you know, it's a three launch emails. Uh, there's an initial launch, a progress launch, and a, about to close, call it, you know, certainly launch email, but about to close. Those, those go to our 700,000 registered users. There's podcasts, there's webinars, there's digital demos, there's television that we have throughout the, you know, TV shows throughout the year that they can also participate in. There's written copy, written content that's created by different journalists and then also internal. And then lastly, we also have a robust um, performance marketing team. Uh, that team, we spend our own money and somewhere in the, it depends on the quarter and the budget, but we'll, you know, we'll do anywhere from say two thousand to five thousand dollars per campaign at any given time because we have to you know we can't you know pick and choose we want to do five thousand for this one and a thousand for that one we have to do the same but then we can change that budget for the next period um if we if you like what we did and we don't charge a fee for that but if you like what we did then when we you know provide all the, the data and results then you can chip in a budget if you like if you don't you don't have to um, at the end of the day you're going to get exposed to our network, not just like, I'm not talking about social media uh, and performance marketing as a separate bucket, but you'll get, you know, introduced to our network somewhere around 12 times during a campaign in various ways, the, the three launch emails, through our newsletter, through the digital demos, the podcast, whatever. Um, we'll eventually, you know, the spread is really anywhere from 40 to 80% of the total dollars raised come from the Republic network. The um, and that's the same on deals that you know raise a hundred thousand to ones that raise a million. Mm -hmm. um, there are very very few that you know the you know the bulk the mat the vast majority of the dollars raised is because of the founder. Uh, sometimes there are situations like that though because the crowd just doesn't catch on to it. They don't like the opportunity. Um, it may not be because it's not because of like a diligence thing. They don't like the opportunity, so they don't invest. But Date, we're somewhere around, I think, 96 or 97% of campaigns have been successful. They've met their minimum minimum uh, raise. And um, average raise since inception, even, you know, going back four years ago, counting the four campaigns that only raised like $75,000 each, it's, you know, over 300000 you know, to, to, to date. Like I said, we're at 500000 for the last 12 months. And those numbers apply to all those numbers. So... It could be um, a significant chunk of capital that can actually change the trajectory of companies. The last thing I'll say about this, you know, we've been focusing on capital a lot, you know, straight money, but maybe even bigger than that is the, it's similar to, have you ever heard of the Shark Tank effect? If you're on the, the television show Shark Tank, even if you don't get an investment, television viewers tend to make the website crash they buy their products, mm -hmm. they go online and find it, whatever it is they're trying to sell. 
same thing goes for companies, whether it doesn't matter if you're B2C or B2B or you're like really deep tech or biotech or whatever, people are curious, they're interested, they want to participate, they want to be a, a client. That happens to all of our campaigns. Um, awesome. you know, some higher than, more than others, but we've had companies who've come out of the, you know, during the campaign, get millions of dollars of sales, nice. uh, pick up thousands and upon thousands of new clients. Um, new partnerships happen all the time. There's someone in the crowd, doesn't matter what your industry is or what your, you know, what, what your approach is, there's going to be people in that crowd, that many people who are you know, not only familiar with, but also in that industry who need that, who are the proper, like they, they are the manager or the gatekeeper to let it, you know, happen at their, you know, at their company or in their family household. So you see a ton of, uh, you know, shark tank effect basically on, on each of our campaigns. That's great. That's great. And that's a really nice benefit of most crowdfunding platforms. So great that you mentioned that. And let's talk just a little bit more about who should apply to this so i'm i'm just curious what are the most fundable basic ideas what type of uh, projects are the most popular on, on on republic um you know, large industry related companies real estate related healthcare related uh, things that people have in their everyday life it doesn't have to be that specific product but if it's that specific one of those like larger everyday type of industries that everyone interacts with, that is the, the beginning of their, uh, you know, curiosity, I guess. That's really, you know, that'll spark some interest. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's, you know, healthcare, I'm, I, I, mean, I'm, I know about healthcare. I, I go to the doctor, I have children that go to the doctor, I have <laughs> right. you know, a parent that goes to the doctor, something along those lines. I've been to the hospital and then you start to, you know, go down that path and really what it's doing is it's causing people to get to the deal page. It's causing people to go and read, it's causing people to, you know, watch the intro video, to ask questions of the founder on the discussion board, to do their own diligence off portal. Uh, that's, that's, you know, those are the sparks that get people going. Um, there can be other, and a lot of literally thousands of reasons why people would invest and what attract them to it. So of course we, we look for milestones like that, the more the better the more flat you have in the ground. That can be things like, you know, past experience and past, you know, like you're a, a, an experienced founder who's had or lived through an exit. You have your first contracted partnerships. You have your first revenues. You have, um, you, you know, you graduated from an accelerator. You have already received funding from one VC or a group of angels, or you bootstrap. That's a really positive signal to, to a lot of people. So there's you know, thousands of things that will be looked at as positive in people's minds. So the more you have, the better. There isn't one set of those or a minimum of those flags in the ground that we require. We're really going back to like the diligence fundamentals, things like, do you have runway? Uh, do you have, you know, what's the actual go-to-market plan on some of these earlier stage companies? You know, what is that gonna cost you? You're going to raise two hundred fifty thousand, five hundred thousand in Republic. You need, and you're trying to do a, a, a biomedical device that's going to cost fifty million dollars to get to market, and you don't even have a doctor on the team. That's not going to work. <laughs> um, if you're tech-centric, but you don't have a technical team, and you've outsourced it to 
you know, people you hardly even know, that's not going to work either. If uh, outsourcing technical is not like a, always a negative. There's definitely businesses and models that you have to have some sort of tech component to it. It's actually a value. It's, it's a, you know, a positive if they're outsourcing it because it's needed, it's necessary. They don't need to be on the team and others may think, you know, then let them decide, let those investors decide like if, if that's being outsourced is a bad thing. But in our eyes, it's totally, you know, plausible and actually a positive that you're doing it in a, in a fashion that will get you to point, you know, from A to B, which is what your real goal is. Um, I could go on and on because there's literally thousands of different things that happen and different layers to it. But I think, you know, a lot of this really goes back to basic baseline fundamentals. Got to be there. But again, that doesn't mean you have to have revenue. Um, it can help, though, uh, make it more successful. And then you know, character. What is the, the makeup of the team? Are they going to be, are they, you know, are they individuals that, you, that we can partner with, that we want to work with, that we want to have a long-term relationship with? That gets, even though it's kind of like us, like Republic-centric, that eventually gets reflected in the campaign, during the campaign, and people, the crowd picks up on that too. And they end up being people that they can get along with, that they trust, even though they may not mm -hmm. you know not interacting with them nearly as much as we are. Got it, got it. And I want to get back to something that you mentioned earlier, which is the fact that you know, in the past four months, you saw an increase in the number of applications submitted to the Republic uh, for, for funding. So I assume that's related to COVID and it's quite obvious at this case I used. And my question is, what's your advice to founders right now who need to raise money right now because they just don't have enough bandwidth to survive this, you know, four, five months, whatever uh, it takes to get over this uh, pandemic. What's your advice to those people? What should they do right now? Yeah, I mean, don't leave any stone unturned. Uh, don't be, you know, don't be dissuaded by you know, rejection. There's going to be a lot of it. If you think it's you know a, a cakewalk and you're going to be able to raise money with the first like five people you talk to, you, you got it completely wrong. Um, it, it takes just as you know a lot of it is people are giving up too soon because of things like this because they're hearing or they're seeing or they're running into a couple problems. Five months ago, five years ago, it was just as hard. Like you have to go out and talk to you know 50, 100 plus people whether they are individual investors, institutional investors, or whatever investors, before you're really going to get any type of, like, momentum there. And you're going to then, then you'll actually start raising capital. So I think it's just a matter of, like, showing some wherewithal and continuing pushing, uh, not giving up because you think the cards are stacked against you more than they were because they, they really were stacked against you just as much before. Um, yeah, VCs have pulled back a lot. Uh, a lot of them stopped. Funding a lot of them committed to funding, but then did not actually fund. That, that's why we've seen an increase in applications. That's why we've seen a lot of people who we spoke to for we spoke to six months ago, or 18 months ago, or 36 months ago, who came back up out of the woodwork because you know they were constantly distracted by like a check dang uh, the, uh, the the idea of a check dangling in front of them that would come from venture or come from angel networks or whatever it may be that weren't, that weren't from the crowd. And then as, as soon as they perceived that that check hanging, you know, dangling in front of them went away, crowdfunding started looking more, you know, appealing to them and they started to come back and then right. 
you know, we've benefited from that from now we have a, you know, a, a very big pipeline and a very strong list of founders. Uh, oddly enough, it's creating competition, you know, not that the founders really see that, but with us it is because we're like, okay, we have seven of the same companies. You know, we're going to go with the one who has the most milestones achieved. And so the other five or six may not make it anymore because others have come into the mix. Um, so it's about yeah, being competitive too, making sure that and considering that comp- comp- you know, that competitiveness of this game, a lot of people don't. They think like mm-hmm. I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread. <laughs> well, first they're not. And second, like second, they also don't just don't understand they're not th- they do understand but they're not thinking about basic business uh strategy like valuation cap if i look at seven of the same companies and they're all equal and one of them has a 20 million dollar cap and the other six have a 10 million dollar cap well i'm going to eliminate the 20 million cap company and look at the other six that have a 10 million cap because mm-hmm. they competitively price themselves so stuff, stuff like that has to be considered you really need to consider all the layers to you know better position yourself um, in the current market and in all markets. Doesn't matter if they're robust or not. Right, that's great advice. And before I come to the last wrap-up question, I want to ask you: How do you actually evaluate companies in terms of you get a number, a huge number of applications? What are the major things that you look instantly? So, what are the major factors that you look at and for example, if it's there, uh, you keep looking at the company. If it's not there, you're just uh, letting the company go. Yeah. Um, you know, there was a time when I reviewed every application that came in, and that's uh, since since gone. But I'm still involved in that because what we did was we. And I'm trying to get to like how we scale this. Why we're able to look at you know seventy seventy five hundred to ten thousand applications a year. That's a lot. Um, and we are because we've productized that process and automated it. And there's a, a huge human element to it, obviously, still. We're not having, like, a computer read these applications or read these, like, pitch decks. Mm-hmm. Real people are. That's really the, the most, you know, the first you know, human touch is really one of the most important touches because we're doing a topical review. You send a pitch deck, you send basic information, you know, URL whatever links to something that's important and a video maybe, and then you got your pitch deck. We're looking for quality right out of the, right out of the box. You know, don't provide pitch decks that are, you know, improper grammar, not formatted well, looks Mm -hmm. weird, can't read it. You like, you get that all the time. Those are easy rejections. We can see that they're not able to execute. We can see that they're not going to be able to execute on a campaign either very quickly. So if there's a lot of thought and, you know, uh, consideration put into the early communication, that will, and now we're not going to dwell on that. That's great. Okay, so this person, this company has their head on straight. They, like, they get it. Like, they're being very professional about this. I'm not saying everything has to be great, but, like, they're being professional about it. Perfect. Now we're going to look at, we're going to start reading into these milestones. What have they achieved? How many of these flags on the ground do they have? I mentioned some of those before. And then we will look at our database to decide, like, you know, what's the what's this market look like? Are the things they're saying, the opportunities that they're going that they're going after? Is that um, 
is that you know is that viable? Is it feasible? Is it possible? Is it something that you know, we believe? Okay, great. Now let's get an out. Let's just put that to the side. We'll reach out to the person with some education materials. We want to make sure that everyone's always educated. We'll have our business development team speak to them first. The BD team will educate them, you know, verbally while they're also providing stuff in, in writing as much as they can to make sure that they are going to be. Uh, aware of everything they need to do for crowdfunding, but they're also asking questions about the business. They're starting the diligence. If that goes well, there's good rapport. We see something that you know positive about the business. Um, the founder is indicating that they are interested still after being you know educated to that point. Then it mm -hmm. goes to actual like you know the next like our diligence team. Um, that will be whatever 30, 45, 60 minute phone call. A lot of the basics are asked. Depending also to like where the answers go, more will be asked, and then we'll normally do a follow up over email to ask for further information, proof of something that you like you know claimed on the phone. Um, if that's looking good, we're hearing from you that you're fully educated, that you are interested. We'll send that deal to investment committee. So at this point, like it's already been filtered down. Say if you get 101 days, maybe even filtered down to like three. That's uh, about right, like the number percentage-wise. And then those three would go to investment committee with a write-up about the company, about the market, about their you know, the whole the whole story. And then uh, myself and a couple other people will write off on it, like yes or no. We ask questions. We get reports back from the from the analysts, the diligence people that tell us what's going on. You know, we read the pre report first, I guess, and then we ask those questions, and then have like a discussion, not only debate, uh, discussion about it, and then it's a yes or no. At that point, then the company, yes, they move forward. No, we tell them why. And a lot of times it's just because they're just missing something that's fundamental or they're missing something that, you know, we think will actually, we've experienced does not bode well in a crowd campaign. So, you know, it's probably one of the, the biggest reasons. Well, why don't you go back and be like, listen, hey, you know, you're, you got it, but we just know from our experience that this is not going to have a very like successful raise, and we want to tell you why. Mm -hmm. And if you're okay with that, and if you think you can like get around that in some like you know, compliant professional way, or something that you can not really talk yourself out of it, but you know, just get people to understand why that is what you're up to, then maybe it will be more successful than we think. But we just want to make sure you don't come in here and like think it's going to be a five hundred thousand dollar raise. You only raise one hundred fifty, and you're mad. So like that can you know turn people off, and we you know we see that a lot too. And those companies will go and they go to places where they can just get the key to the castle and do it on their own, and they end up raising seventy five, one hundred k. That's you know great, but not something that we want to. We're trying to get companies in here that are going to really impress the audience, really impress like those investors get a lot of money in the door too. We have our economics also, you know. Right. Right. That's a pretty impressive and pretty complicated due diligence process. But thanks, thanks for walking us through this. I think that's a really valuable insight. And we're moving on to the last wrap-up question. It's a call to action to the listeners. So what's that one thing that you want the listener to do as soon as this episode is over? Um, I would say, you know, if it's not a tool in your toolkit, you never considered it, you know, it's time to start doing that. I would look into you know crowd investing crowdfunding equity crowdfunding is a lot of different names for it but sign up for a newsletter on you know republic or start engine or seed investor we funder 
you know, get involved and kind of see what that community is all about, um, how they present themselves. Start to read you know, some of the educational material that you can find on onrepublic.co. Apply if you want to. Further education materials will be sent to you. Um, there'll be feedback you'll get. There's a, you know, a, a decent chance you'll get to at least kind of a business development early stage diligence part of it where you'll get more information. Find out what, you know, it's going to, find out what's going to take to have, to get to a live campaign, what it's going to take to have a successful campaign. And if something's missing or you're not ready, you're not comfortable, but at least you know. Like these companies who came back to us, you know, over COVID, who we talked to two years ago, they knew, mm -hmm. had it in the back pocket, and now they're actually acting on it. So you want to have that same ability and maybe acting on it in a month and maybe acting on it in a year. But you still want to have that knowledge so you're able to act on it. So this is why I want to, like, if it's not a tool in your toolkit, you're not aware of it. Or even if you are and you don't like and you haven't looked into it or talked to someone at one of these places or a founder who's ran a campaign, you know, do that. It's pretty simple. It's all at your fingertips. Uh, stuff and, you know, how many newsletters do you already get on a daily basis? You know, adding one more is not going to be a big deal. At least you'll see, like, what the communications are like and what the companies are like. And then go from there. Great. That's a great call to action. And I'll definitely leave a link to uh, Republic website in the description of this episode. So if you're curious, definitely take a look. And we'll wrap it up here. Thanks a lot, Chuck, for coming up and for sharing your experience. I think that was a really insightful episode about equity, crowdfunding. Really, really a lot of information on that topic. Thanks for that. Thank you. I had a great time, Constantine. We'll, uh, we'll talk soon, okay?